T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Okay, if we're giving random shout-outs to Chicago radio shows, Parkins and Spiegel, obviously the best. <laughs> Afternoons on the score. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. Chiefs Kingdom, let me hear you! Certain media members, or media members singular, have enthusiastically compared Mahomes to Tom Brady. And Tom Curran of NBC Boston would like everyone to chill. I am actually so glad that Tom Curran came out with the worst sports take of 2023. For our viewers, a little bit of a home field advantage in these arguments. And we are now joined by one of the stars of the Super Bowl, a man whose pants and bag match my sweater. I like it. I like it. This is crazy, man. This is unbelievable. I bet there's a million of people here today. A million? At least a million, I'm saying. Let me hear you say, oh! You know who warned them? You know? Yeah. The committee. The committee warned them. The committee warned them. Was it just you and me? No. Hey, you know what? Should we should we reveal it? Eric Stone Street, one of the eight committee members. <laughs> the Parkins and Spiegel Show, afternoons on the score. That audio from First Things First, the rocket ship of a superstar show on Fox Sports 1, hosted by my buddy Nick Wright. Great gift giver as well, as he is the one who gave us Dan Patrick's Marconi Award. Nick, fresh off a trip to Kansas City to be there for his beloved Chiefs Super Bowl parade, a night at the club with the Chiefs afterwards. He's with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Nick? That is such a better introduction than A, I deserve, and B, than you gave our mutual friend Adam Lefko, who I believe you called the most famous person no one knows. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he, he Lefko is like the most interesting man on television, and he doesn't get enough love for it. So, was that a backhanded well, compliment? I, mean, I don't even think it was a compliment. It was just backhanded. It was just rude. It was just a. I mean, it was. Let me put it like this: I heard about it, and I wasn't live streaming the show. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Oh no. I mean, was Lefko yeah. offended? That's not good. Uh, well, can I tell you the truth, actually? Yeah, please. Um, I'm not going to say which, but you have a few people on the show that, you know, I text with occasionally to, like, set up surprise appearances and things. Yeah. Um, 
one of, one of them texted me immediately and was like, you won't believe how Danny just introduced Adam Lefko. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. Well, we're all kind of playing defense against each other on this show. I never really know who's on yeah. my side or not. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me in the least. All right. So you and I have not spoken on the phone since uh, you were at the parade. So I have a lot of questions for you. I want a lot of stories. Uh, but the first question, and you heard Juju Smith-Schuster kind of reference it there. How much did you pay for that Louis Vuitton sweater? That's such a rude question. Twenty three hundred dollars. <laughs> oh God, twenty three hundred. Okay, <laughs> all right, good for you. Yeah. Did it bother you at all no. that it was Broncos colors? I mean, it wasn't perfect, but you know, I I guess one could argue that I was kind of trying to stand out, a kind of a look look at me Louis type of situation, and in that regard, I succeeded. Um, uh, and so that was good. My wife did not like it. And what I told Shocking. her I was going to go get it. And she then instead sent me a like leather, like cream leather sleeve, red Louis Vuitton varsity jacket. But that was $6,800. And I was like, you know, now we're getting ridiculous. Now, like, let's be somewhat fiscally sound. And so I went with that, but the story behind that was the Chiefs' first parade, Travis Kelsey wore a Louis Vuitton fur coat, like silver and black, which was actually Raiders colors. And a year ago, I tried to buy it from him, and he graciously said, I'm going to hold on to this one, because I was like, dude, it's been two years, you've literally never worn it again. You know, why don't you let it go to a good home and get some money back? He was like, I got to hold on to this one. I might need it again. Hmm. So I thought he was going to break it out again. And so I bought that to kind of be in concert with him. Instead, he was wearing a much more, you know, fiscally conservative starter windbreaker set. But that's likely because his money must have gone to what had to be 70 carats of diamonds that turned that was a Bud Light can full size diamond pendant. It was a full size three dimensional Bud Light can oh. that he was wearing around his chain, but it was all diamonds. It's pretty dope. Yeah, it was it was quite a flex flex for Travis Kelsey. You guys are living a different world uh, than us local radio peons. Uh, so listen, man, it was so cool to see you live this dream. What was it like? I mean, you are a Kansas City kid. You are Kansas City proud. You are a diehard Chiefs fan. What's it like to be, you know, VIP backstage at the parade and have Mahomes and Kelsey break off their route and dap you up? Well, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was, I mean, it was about as good as it gets. Like, you, you, th- this is a critical part of the story that you just alluded to, but I think some, you know, people that are, you know, a- aware of my sports stuff don't know i i am born and raised kansas city chiefs season ticket holder tailgating this is my team forever and this is a team that was obviously very very good well before i was born and then i started going to football games the year after joe montana got there and in that time frame They went 23 years without a playoff victory. 
in that time frame, they were 13-3 and three and lost a game with three missed field goals all within 40 yards. They were 13-3 and three and at home lost their first playoff game to John Elway on a fourth-quarter comeback. They were 13-3 and three and lost a game where they did not punt the ball once. They then somehow upped the ante by losing a game when they scored two touchdowns and their opponent scored zero. Think about that. It was a playoff game. The Chiefs scored two touchdowns. Their opponent scored zero, and they lost. They the Bears lost hired a, a head coach game. off that game, Nick. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they lost a game where they had a 28-point lead on Andrew Luck, and in the final playoff game they played without Patrick Mahomes, with Patrick Mahomes sitting on the sideline watching, they had an 18-point lead on Marcus Mariota in a game that turned around on a touchdown pass from Marcus Mariota to Marcus Mariota. (laughs) That's the Chiefs' playoff history before Patrick Mahomes walked in the door. So the fact that they are even, you know, winning championships, plural, makes it surreal. Then you add to it the fact that Kelsey, Mahomes, and I have never met in person prior to this weekend. Unlike Adam Lefko, our friend, who was at Mahomes' wedding and his buddies with Travis, I did not have a personal relationship with these guys. I had a, you know, a text relationship with them, but you, you never really know. And so then to, when they each independently saw me, the chiefs had so clearly truly bought into the, no one believes in us. Everyone thinks we're trash. Everyone's over us that they genuinely and truly appreciated my support to the to the level of which on my show I do these weekly NFL rankings done by my shadowy committee that you heard Eric Stone Street refer to and the Chiefs GM before the AFC championship game had t-shirts made and printed up and distributed amongst the players that said the committee warned you about the Chiefs being the best team oh my god at the chief at the players after party I was in a section caddy corner to Patrick and Travis, and all of a sudden, the bottle ladies with the, with the fireworks and the sign that usually says happy birthday or whatever are bringing over a magnum of champagne, and on the sign it says, the committee warned you. And then, and, and then <laughs> Travis came over and drank a bottle of champagne with me. And so, like, I don't even know what's happening. I'll tell you this, man. The very next day, and I, I've been on voice rest. I am, you know, I am, uh, as you can tell, I'm still recovering. But yesterday I went to a basketball game with my daughter, a high school basketball game, my older daughter. And I think it was because of lack of sleep. But all of a sudden, my jaw, my left side of my jaw and my left ear were like going numb. And I was like, isn't left side of your face going numb, like the number one sign of a stroke? And I started to kind of panic. And I was like, oh, of course. Like, I had almost, like, come to terms with it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's how this story ends. <laughs> like, I, 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 like, I have the bet, like, the culmination of a career and a fandom and then just die the next day. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty wild last week. Nick Wright is with us here on Parkinson Spiegel. And, so yes, awesome. I'm here as well, Nick. Hello. <laughs> Thank you uh, for Dan Patrick's Marconi, which sits right in front of us. I have fond memories of trying to egg you on at the Marconi Awards to go up and accept on behalf of Dan Patrick, who was not there. Mm-hmm. You were very close mm-hmm. to doing it. I regret not shoving you just a little bit harder in, um, in, in that direction. I was quite close. It's great to hear from you as always. I was a little worried that maybe you and I had some beef I didn't know about because I only got invited on the show when you weren't there. Ah, yes. But now I've realized that's only because when you're not there, Danny needs someone else to carry him the way you normally do. Correct. So it's thrilling to be on with both of you guys today. Uh, thank you, Nick. And and when I am here, like today, and Danny is, is so excited to talk to you because he wishes he was you, that's I right. needed... I needed to just let him kind of get get through all of that. That's right. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. tracks. He's living the hero life. Well, he is. Well, because here's the thing: as any like media person, talk show host has ever dreamed of, like possibly infiltrating a team, infiltrating a hometown team. Yeah. It's absurd. Like Nick, I can't imagine a scenario that is that 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 is more like this because. You fortunately genuinely believed that Patrick Mahomes is who he is, as so many people were picking Josh Allen to beat them. It's like, would you have been this this hardcore as you have been on First Things First and elsewhere for Pat and the Chiefs? Were you not convinced logically that no. they deserved it? No, because, listen, I was a diehard Chiefs fan when Alex Smith was the quarterback, and I was on TV for two years of that. And you didn't hear me doing any of this. It was, it is a kind of perfect storm in that, and and, and the media is just so dumb. Like, they're just so, they're so ready for the next thing that they don't want to accept what they're seeing in front of them. And it is, but the other thing that is fortunate for me on is that for the the entirety of like sports take television media, 90% 90% of it is fighting over being this guy or the bizarro version of this guy for the Cowboys. They're all fighting for the same corner. Like, can I be the loudest and biggest Cowboys fan <laughs> or detractor? And meanwhile, the best, the prime beachfront real estate that is the Patrick Mahomes juggernaut was just left unguarded and I just sauntered into it and now it's mine forever. Now for the next 15 years. Do you guys realize how ridiculous my contemporaries are that they somehow left the LeBron James corner unguarded for me to get 14 years into his career and then didn't send all of their corner boys to guard the Patrick Mahomes corner. I'm going to get, it's like a Favre Rogers situation, 30 years of uninterrupted Hall of Fame quarterbacking. I'm going to have a 30 year career of uninterrupted going from being the LeBron guy seamlessly into being the Patrick Mahomes guy. Both are totally authentic and it all could have been so easily prevented, but instead people are like, no, 
I think it's actually Joe Burrow's league name. <laughs> your, your self-awareness <laughs> about the business is is delightful in that way. Um, Why do you think we get along? Uh, right, yeah, right? Because <laughs> there's, like, Kyle Brandt's hanging out with Josh Allen, banking on yeah. it, right? Yeah, literally, literally in a basement. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun. It's nice to know that you guys can go golfing together in early February because he won't be playing. And, by the way, they have, and this was a corner that I kind of took from Danny Parkins, but I'm shameless and, and I love him and, and, you know, we share each other's success, but guess what? I have on my bench, Trevor Lawrence. I was in a damn wig having a marching band in for one playoff game from Trevor, just because I, I'm asserting that's my guy. And I don't know if you saw it on first things first live from the Super Bowl. We had Caleb Williams on the show, and I put up my quarterback rankings chart, and I called him the second-best quarterback in the NFL right wow. now. And he's a year away from declaring for the draft. He's not even I on your active roster. Reserved. He's not even on your exactly active right. roster, Yank. He's third exactly. string. He's it's just speculative real estate. String. <laughs> yeah. He's my emergency third string. That's right. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, you have half the media going after Josh Allen Another thirty percent arguing about Dak Prescott, and 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 fifteen percent saying right now this moment, like you know what, you know what, I'm going to become. I I know it sounds crazy. I'm going to become the uh, the Tua Bailoa guy. Like what? That's the corner. We there was a there was a month long smart media feud among some of the smartest football people in the country that were arguing about Tua and Justin Herbert. And I was like, you know what, guys? I'm going to go ahead and let you have that one. You know what? Let's not fight for that corner. You guys you guys think Tua is going to be the guy that everyone in the world, or Herbert, that they're like, they wake up in the morning, they're like, oh, my God, I have this hot Justin Herbert take. Like, okay, I'll stick with Mahomes. A little side to Trevor Lawrence. All right, Nick Wright of Fox Sports 1, first thing first. You have power, clearly. You have influence, clearly. You understand how the game is played, clearly. Can you do us a solid and convince these GMs that you're all friends with that are all clearly watching your show that the number one pick needs to be traded for so all these guys get to be the sucker at the poker table and trade three first-round picks to uh, the Bears so that the Bears can have Justin well, Fields and a draft That's definitely happening, right? That's definitely happening, isn't it? It, it should happen. I think someone's going to trade a lot to draft a 180-pound quarterback. Yeah, I, yeah well, here's, here's what we want. We want to trade with Chris Ballard and get down to four before the draft and then feed off of anxiety and get down to seven as long as their guy is still there on the, night, on the night of the draft and just stack picks left and right. Yeah, that's exactly what you should do. I mean, that, that and by the way, I think that's what you will do. Can I say one other thing about the Chiefs real quick? Yeah, this just broke during our show. Yeah, sure. Eric the enemy just got hired by Washington to be its offensive coordinator. Yeah, I was going to ask you, yeah. This is one of the most nakedly and obviously racist things that has happened in the last 15 years in the NFL. And I understand people get tired of race conversations and people, you know, get angrier at accusations of racism than actual instances of racism. I get all of that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this. Andy Reid offensive coordinators who have not had 5% of the success of Eric Bieniemy 
have all gotten head coaching jobs. Some have been good. Some have won a Super Bowl. Some have been Matt Nagy and come back. But they've all gotten the shot. And the fact that it was just now accepted that Biennemi is going to have to go somewhere else to prove it. And it is an outrage, particularly when you look at coordinators who make it to the Super Bowl. Seemingly in the last five years, 70% of them win or lose the Super Bowl have then been hired away from their teams on both sides of the ball with the glaring exception of Todd Bowles, who did get a job, but he was within with his own team, Byron Leftwich and Eric Bieniemy. It's just ridiculous, man. Well, and and I, it's, I, even, it's even worse, man. He has to go to Washington, arguably the worst franchise in the NFL. They have no quarterback, and he gets hired by Chico Rivera, by Ron Rivera, who's a great guy, and on the Andy Reid tree. Like, it's it's not like someone's like, you know what? Here, come uh, prove it with your a defensive head coach, and you get to be the play caller for Justin Herbert or something. Like, he goes to a no-win situation after interviewing for 15 different NFL teams. It's insanity. Yeah, I wish he would have stayed. I understand why he felt frustrated and felt like, you know what I mean, I, I might as well just leave to see if it changes things. But I can't imagine it's going to change things because they, because I don't think, you know, what is a good job done in Washington? If they have the 18th best offense, that's probably a good job. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. It's just crazy. That's crazy. I know that's not what you want to talk about. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's absolutely, man. It just it just happened, and he, he is getting the assistant head coach title for whatever that's worth. Assistant head coach, offensive coordinator. Has to leave to prove it somewhere else. And, Nick, before we say goodbye, I just wanted to say how much I uh, personally appreciated, and I know a lot of people did appreciate the Tom Brady take after he retired. Um, because looking at the humanity of someone is is often difficult to do under the circumstances. I always want to do it, and actually, in that instance, I was uh, I was a little blinded. But you redirected me towards Seth Wickersham and the piece that really got inside it, and and the opportunity for us all to think about sacrifices we've made to try and be good at something or try and be the greatest at something at the possible expense. Of our, of our families. So um, ho- hope your family well, is okay with uh, your choices. And, um, and, and even though Tom's uh, apparently was not, and it's a, a difficult well, human very, thing. That's very, very nice. You speak. And I appreciate that. I do have an odd anecdote from the S- Super Bowl about that exact podcast. So I, and this is, I guess a, you never know who's listening conversation, which I learned the hard way when I talked about giving away Dan Patrick's Marconi on your guys' show. <laughs> and then I have to answer to that to Dan Patrick because this show was so popular. With, there's media coverage of it. Mm. And there was an article written about that. Um, but I was at the Super Bowl, uh, the hotel we were staying at down there. And Jim Gray walks in to the lobby, the bar area, and starts talking with, uh, I was there with my agent and my agent knows him. And Jim seemed aware of me, but I didn't know if he was just being polite. And we had a very long conversation, and he was incredibly gracious with his time. And I have kind of poked fun at the Tom Brady podcast with Jim Gray because there's just some, I don't know if people listen to it, but there's like ad reads every, it feels like three minutes. And, I've, and I'm like, ah, you know, Jim and Tom aren't listening. It's fine. So I asked Jim at some point, 
why he still works, like what, you know, what motivates him. And he answered me. And then he asked me, he was like, he's like, why do you do it? And I started to tell, give the exact same anecdote that I gave in that Tom Brady podcast about the family feud thing, about wanting to be the number one sportscaster in America for a period of time. And I was about 10 seconds through the bit, and he stopped me. He goes, oh, the family feud thing. I heard you talking about this on your podcast. And I was like, mm, boy. Like, first of all, thank you. But second of all, oh, boy. Like, on that same episode of the podcast, I think I kind of made fun of Jim Gray's podcast. And Jim Gray's listening to the podcast. Not great. Um, so that, that, that is a true funny story. Also a bit of a humble brag, I know. But, yeah, that happened. That's amazing, man. Hey, listen, good to hear from you. Uh, obviously thrilled for you in the Chiefs, and we won bets on it. So you basically paid for the Louis Vuitton sweater and more uh, with that Super Dude, Bowl. I gave out a 28-1 to 1 winner on my gambling show to a Super Bowl same-game parlay. Yeah, I know you didn't text it to me, though. So does it really count? I would say no. Well, I text you trying to have you help me find where I could bet Mahomes win MVP as part of a parlay, and you couldn't help me. And so it didn't. I, I gave it out and didn't even bet it because I'm the worst. <laughs> um, all right, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, see you, man. That's Nick Wright. First things first. Uh, hell, of a, hell of a life, hell of a career. Appreciate that. That was fun as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, your 29th favorite baseball player of the last 30 years. Because we're doing 29 for 29 for 29. Yeah, no, we did 30 yesterday. Oh, yeah, today, right. today is 29. That's coming up in uh, just over 20 minutes. But uh, big piece of baseball news today allows us to revisit something that we were all f- right about beforehand and uh, a team in town was very wrong on. Next on the score. Parkinson Spiegel Show Flashback. 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 Jerry really stepped up and stepped up in in a fashion that is unprecedented. And, you know, we all in that clubhouse talked about it this morning. You know, we felt like we actually were, potentially could close a deal today with them. We thought we were uh, the high offer on the table. And if the reports are accurate, we still feel that there was more potential for him to make more here than that reported deal. But again, we don't know the particulars. God, man. <laughs> that was Kenny Williams. He only muscles up and speaks to make things awkward or explain why he made things awkward. Or when he's looking for a stolen frozen lobster. <laughs> so that is back from 2019. Oh, my God, man. Machado signs the 10-year, $300 million deal. The Chicago Wants Machado campaign right. you, you remember, failed. And for anybody who doesn't remember, Manny Machado had told everybody, and his agent had told everybody what they'd like is a 10-year, $300 million deal. Hello, that's what I'd like. And the White Sox got to 250 with deferred money. Arbitrary line in the sand and hoped to get him because they had signed his brother-in-law. But what's crazy is Machado apparently says he will be opting out of his contract after the season. He's saying it on the front end. He's not ruling out re-signing with the Padres, but he's going to leave $150 million on the table. Because he saw what happened this offseason, and he feels like he will get more than five for 150 after this year. And assuming a good season and assuming the market stays the same, he's almost assuredly right. And so we can talk about, well, damn, that's another name for the Cubs to consider signing next offseason. And we should and we will. 
But it's also a good moment to look back and say, foolish. The White Sox. You could have had him for $30 million a year as you gave him the opt-out, and he would have been just fine, and you would have been just fine. White Sox could have had him for five years at $150 million and then let him walk, depending on on where you were. or Multiple playoff series, you could have had Manny Machado hit third for you he, he, in that lineup. He could have been a part of this thing. You were in position overall to finalize a rebuild, which you handled pretty well for a while. You were in position to finalize it by adding a superstar to carry you over the top, which teams in that position invariably, if they have any money, try to do. And then you could have hired a great manager to go along with. And you could have attacked these last two years in the middle of your window with Manny Machado there and with uh, a legit manager there. And would you have a title? Maybe so. And it's absolutely brutal to look back on the way that did it. And then, uh, Tanny, you brought up in our text thread today kind of a sliding doors thing about if they – hadn't invested in all the kids with these made guy deals before they were ready to and had used the Machado money instead. Yeah, so I don't want to act like I hate the idea of a team-friendly-ish you know, extension for players that you believe are going to be good because I think it's good to give some of these guys generational wealth, but we've seen largely it hasn't worked out on the back end. Now that's hindsight's 2020, but had they had a, a typical philosophy, like let's say, you know, the, the Cubs and the rebuild before them where all your young talent is making league minimum, you know, with arbitration numbers escalating, whatever over the years per their performance. But if you have just all those guys making a base salary, that's, that's cost controllable and low for many years, let's say five years, you would be able to absorb a guy like Manny Machado and have him around since 2019, and that still would have been your window. And then if and if none of that worked out, and let's say these players didn't work out as sometimes they have an up and down, whatever, but you'd be able to get all this money off the books, and all of a sudden you'd be free. But instead, you have to make a signing like Yasmani Grandal that next offseason. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't have to do that if you have Manny Machado. If you had gone about finalizing your rebuild by just living with that great young talent that you've successfully found and drafted and or signed and augmented with big money, then maybe you win and you do sign one of the kids, you know, the way the Cubs didn't with their guys. Or you you decide which ones you're not going to sign and you let them go. Or you trade them because you have more and you spend to augment. And in retrospect, the signing of all those deals – Looks like a team trying to do it on the cheap, right? Yeah, of course. That's what that's what it looks like in retrospect because they have stayed, you know, sort of on the cheap in terms of being on the top end and wanting to go while the still tax. having the highest payroll in the history of their franchise and right. the top ten payroll in the right. sport. But it, but but there's those limits have been there and those limits are clearly still and they've there. been self imposed and they haven't been willing to pay the tax. Yep. And I, plus, regardless, Manny Machado would have been off your books at the end of this season. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a 10-year deal like like you thought it was going to be. He would have been off the books. Yeah. You would have been free of him, and you would have had all these young guys on, on league minimum contracts. I wonder basically. if they even liked the opt-outs at the time, if they even would have you know, wanted the opt-outs. Well, you know, I could definitely see, oh, you don't want to be here, then we don't want you here. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could see that being a part of so, that. And some orgs muscled up like that until everybody realized, oh, these guys are going to get their opt-outs. Okay. Yeah, but the White Sox don't even get that because Bryce Harper, we know, wanted to be here, and they couldn't even get him here. So it's not even about wanting to be here and not wanting to be here. They can't get anyone here. 
just wait for the Cubs to sign Machado next year and me to break out the old Chicago wants Machado sign. Do these windows open? <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Insufferable. Times a million. I just got a pair of 2022 air cinder blocks. I'm going to take a <laughs> swim in Lake Michigan. I'm going to be so excited. Maybe perfect. Big baseball guy. Third baseman. Yeah, third base is open right third now. Third base is open. They got the money. Mm. Have a big year, Manny. Come to the north side. Is it open? Because I think Patrick Wisdom's going to hit 40. That would be awesome. That would be pretty cool. I'll take the under. Maybe Patrick Wisdom is one of those guys who's going to benefit from the loss of velocity when pitchers can't go max effort. When max effort can't show up every day. Oh, God. (laughs) So for the Cubs, do you make a trade maybe for Manny Machado? Welcome. Remember, that was the Sox thing Uh, you talked about? Hey, trade for him early, get him used to it here, and then sign with that extension Uh, before he gets a chance to hit free agency. uh, Is his brother-in-law still playing? (laughs) One's on the TV here every day. (laughs) No, his brother-in-law is hitting the buffet out there at MLB oh. Network oh, every day. Really? Really, Shane? Really? He ballooned. Don't be bitter because he's going to be a Cub next year. Coming up next. Stick him in right field. Bring him back. <laughs> That's perfect. Speaks his 29th favorite baseball player of his last 30 summers in Chicago. Next on The Score. He's got a chance. Go! We're counting down the days to opening day. Happy opening day. By celebrating some of Chicago baseball's all-time greats. There go number 400 for Big Frank. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Here comes the hook. Got it. 20 strikeouts. It's Matt Spiegel's top 30 favorite Chicago baseball players of the last 30 years. Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. From Abreu. Sox win! Sox win! On a grand slam by Jose Abreu. To Big Z. Carlos Zambrano has no hit! The Houston Astros! Matt Spiegel counts us down to opening day. Wow, is that huge! Matt Spiegel's 30 players for 30 years. That's how you do it. On the Parkins and Spiegel Show on 670 The Score. Alfonso Soriano at 30. Today, 29 shows with the President's Day exception. Until opening day, your 29th favorite player of the last 30 years is... White Sox second baseman Ray Durham. I loved watching that dude play. Seven and a half seasons from 1995 to the middle of 2002. Danny's one of the last homegrown White Sox draft picks from Larry Himes on a list that includes Jack McDowell, Robin Ventura, Alex Fernandez, and of course, Frank Thomas. And Ray Durham was really fast, pretty powerful, super smooth, aggressive at second base, and really, really fun to watch play. Stole more than 30 bases a bunch of times. Aesthetically pleasing. That short little squat body and what seemed like double the usual amount of steps. Hawk used to say, I love to watch Ray run. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was not alone. Um, defensively, really solid. Specifically, I always remember like a marvel at going back on pop-ups. He was the best I ever saw. Best I ever saw. <laughs> going back on pop-ups. But he, he was just really damn good. He got to the bigs in 95 Immediately the leadoff hitter. For six seasons, from 96 to 2001, Ray Durham played in at least 151 games, had an OPS of over 800, had double-digit stolen bases over 34 times in that span, and double-digit home runs all the time. 
all while being the leadoff guy. The lineup made sense. A true leadoff hitter often makes it so. And it's like, ah, yes, here we go, White Sox. You go, we go. Imagine six consistent years of leadoff hitter quality from a really good defensive second baseman. He had an incredible vibe to watch as a fan, a spark plug with a really good smile, set a tone every day because he played every day. And the batting stance was weird and fun. The bat held way up in the air, his butt stuck out really far. And while he was here, the team was pretty damn good. Always at least decent. They finished second place four years in a row. Then were the division champs in 2000. They go 96 and 67 in 2000 before getting swept in three games by the 91 min, uh, win Mariners. By the way, Paul Konerko and Frank Thomas in that series both went 0 for 9. Oh, no. Sorry. Sorry about that. So Ray Durham, number 29. Uh, Wait, is you that's responsible for that? <laughs> I know. Yes. Part of a White Sox era, Danny. So Reinsdorfian. They were never lower than a third-place team from 1990 to 2006. Never worse than third, and only third a couple times in there. He was never not good when he was here on pace for another great year in 2002. The White Sox got the benefit of his healthy 20s. They decided that, you know, once he's 30, he's going to fall apart. So he's traded at the deadline for John Atkins. John Atkins, who sucked. Sucked. Somebody's reading Wikipedia. <laughs> I prepped. Yeah. I, I prepped right there. Good for you. When, you. when you let me know, I didn't remember that. But I did find this stat. Yes. This guy was kind of crazy. Yeah. Now, this is, a, this is a baseball stat where you put in a bunch of, like, minimum qualifiers and then do the search through baseball reference. Okay. But by posting at least 15 home runs with 100 runs scored, 20 steals, a 450 slugging percentage, and, and 65 runs uh, batted in mm. for three consecutive seasons – just the 10th player in baseball history to do that. That's that's good company. Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Joe Morgan, Barry Bonds, and Alex Rodriguez wow. among the 10 wow. with Ray Durham. Now, yeah. again, no one would remember that stat of 15 homers, 100 runs, 20 steals, 450 slugging, and 65 RBI in three consecutive seasons. But that's, that's the level of consistency that he had in that time with the White Sox. They drafted him. They drafted him, and he homegrown, and he was great all through his 20s here. There is uh, there is talk of the curse of Ray Durham that is talked about a little bit in White Sox circles because second base, kind of a black hole since then. Brent's Lillibridge and Lowry. Anybody? Micah Johnson traded away Marcus Simeon, traded away Eduardo Escobar as uh, as young players. Um, but, you know, I don't know that the White Sox were wrong. Ray Durham in his 30s with the Giants, the hamstrings acted up. The speed went away. He dropped down to six in the lineup. Um, but still some pretty good years there for the Giants. So, obviously, I don't know how the White Sox fans feel here. I, I Actually, I do know how Tanny feels. Loves Ray Durham. But just to finish out, on the uh, Spiegelian scale, the five-tool scale, offense, I gave him a seven. Defense, at eight. Vibes, an eight. I loved Ray Durham. Um, a ship, a solid seven. Memorable moments, only a five. There were not very many memorable moments. Although Tanny says this one. Was this the 14-inning Game against the Cubs, and he walks it off. That ball hit fair. Here comes Herman Perry. He's going to score, and the Sox win a six to five. Yes! Ray Durham gets out from the off speed pitch, hooks it right by Willie Green. Well, the ninth inning heroics by Sammy Sosa. 
with that dramatic two-out, two-run homer, goes by the boards as the Sox pick up their fifth straight victory. So there it is, Ray Durham, number 29 on my 30 favorite ball players the last 30 years in Chicago. Can we call Ray Durham the second base curse if they won a World Series with a pretty good second baseman in Tadahito Aguchi? That is a very fair question. But he I'd even call Aguchi the second base curse because they had nobody after him. Yeah, uh, he wasn't around for long, Aguchi was. And, and three years. The, the irony is so, like, without Ray Durham getting moved, you know, they eventually. I think it's two off seasons later they acquire Juan Uribe, who originally started at second base, mm. and they eventually shift him over after Jose Valentin. You know, you can't win a World Series with that at shortstop, so they move over uh, Uribe to short. But yeah, man, it's uh, here's, it's, it's been tough for them. Candy, here's <laughs> a fun. You know what? It's not just second base. <laughs> <laughs> here's a fun one for you at second base, though. Different areas. Since Tadahito Aguchi posted a 2.2 WAR in 2006, there hasn't been a better WAR at second base since. Yomer Sanchez in 2017 at 3.4. Wow. Yeah. Only only two guys have how surpassed about, one war. Yeah. He, he was Carlos. In how about, um, yeah. about Moncada's year at second base? Like, it's because, yeah, Arebe was there and they moved him off. Moncada there, they moved 2018, him off. 2018, a 1.4 war. Dude. Uh, Yikes. Beckham. Think about Gordon Beckham as going to be the answer to that second base dearth. 0. 0.7 in 2010, 1.4 in 11, 0.8 in 2012, 0.7 in 2013, 0.7 in 2014. Mm. Yikes. I, I believe Ray Durham, so he's part of that Moneyball A's team when he gets traded at, in 2002 at the deadline. That's the oh, Moneyball that's A's team. Right. And if you watch Moneyball, I'm pretty sure there's like an actor's adaptation or version <laughs> of Ray Durham. Like, in, I mean, in that big win streak they had. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. The oh, yeah, the culmination of Moneyball when <laughs> yeah. they won 27 of 29. Yeah, Ray Durham's like very much a part of that. Wow. Man. 29th on the list. 29th on the list. Real leadoff guy. True, truly great leadoff guy and defensive player. All-time leader in White Sox leadoff home runs with 20 hmm. for Ray Durham. Don't worry. It'll be TA after this year. The coaches coach everyone up. All you're going to see is home runs all day. He's gonna, oh, he's going to coach him to hit homers. Yeah. That's, that's good is, coaching. I know. <laughs> by, by the way, today's White Sox player who admits that they underachieved last year is Michael Kopech. Thanks for playing along, everybody. Michael Kopech said, yeah, we should have been better than we were last year. Okay. There you he go. was a prime contributor to them underachieving. Doesn't mean he can't say it. You know what I mean? Still counts. Tanny's open is the highlights of our week, and that leads into the newest, loudest criticism of Justin Fields. Is it valid? Next on the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.